The New York Jets draft has wrapped up, and we've got some undrafted free agent names rolling in to talk about. All that and more today with myself and Chris Schubert on Jet Nation Radio. I'm Glenn Naughton. You can log into Jet Nation and become a part of what is the most active Jets message board on the web. Chris, how are we doing? We're doing good, Glenn. Uh, it's nice to wrap up another draft cycle. For me, it's onward to 2024, but we still got to, to recap this 2023 class that uh, I feel like I'm going to make some people angry tonight when we discuss it. But uh, it's always fun to have a conversation. Yeah, um, as I said, I've, I've already done that. There are some people in the uh, the forums at Jet Nation who, who aren't happy with me right now because of my feelings on the draft. But I've, I've heard one or two other prognosticators, whatever you want to call them, um, critics say you know, some similar things along the lines of what I thought, which was really quick. My, my thought was I don't, and I want to make this clear because this is something people seem to struggle with a little bit. I don't dislike the players they took. I like a lot of them quite a bit. Um, I'm just surprised by the approach. My thought process was you've brought in Aaron Rodgers. You've opened a very short window. You need to, you need to make an effort to get yourself as many, as many guys who are going to make major contributions right away as possible. Um, and I, you know, I've heard people say, oh, that's not how you draft. You draft for the future. This isn't a normal season. This isn't a normal situation. This is a very unique situation where you've given up a one and a two and tens of millions in cap space to bring in a Hall of Fame quarterback for a very small time frame. I didn't I was surprised at the approach. I've light, I've lightened up a little bit in the sense, Chris, I will say I I was, you know, I, I believe Robert Sala when he says that there's going to be a competition at center. Um, but the more I thought about it, as I said, Joe Tipman was my center one in this class. I just don't see him not winning that job. Um, the other night I was like, ah, oh, what if McGovern wins that? Even if McGovern were to win it, I would say Tipman takes it by no later than week four or five. And it's, it's his job. So really I I'll give you Tipman and say, okay, you got a starter there. McDonald's going to be a rotational piece. Carter Warren, as much as I like him, especially as a pass blocker, not going to start. So what are your thoughts on this class? Chris? Yeah, they've got one starter. That's it. Joe Tipman is the only player that can profile as a long-term starter for the New York Jets. And we can have a debate. We can have a conversation about the approach. And I don't necessarily want to push back against the people who say that's not the way you draft, that that's not the way you operate. I get it. You never right. necessarily draft with the idea of going all in. You're always looking both short and long-term. But guess what? Joe Douglas and Robert Sala made picks over the last three days in the hopes that they're going to be the coach and GM in 2024. They've got to get there, I think, for a lot of these picks to ultimately pan out. Will McDonald is a rotational piece now, next year, the year after, because that's the way Robert Sala runs his defense. So he's not a starter. He's going to be part of some level of a rotation with Jermaine Johnson and John Franklin Myers and Bryce Huff and Carl Lawson and whoever else they bring in because we know they're always looking to add pass rushers because they always rotate guys. They always like to keep guys fresh into the third and fourth quarter, and they can spin it and they can say out loud, though, we want to be able to have guys ready in the third and fourth quarter to be able to close down games. Great. To me, that tells me you don't have an elite pass rusher. That tells me you don't have your Nick Bosa, right? The San Francisco defense defenses are because they got Nick Bosa, they got Fred Warner, and they got great safety play. They got those three things to be able to be the, the linchpins of their defense. Guess what? I don't think the Jets have any three of those pieces. And, and to me, this team still had holes. I think it's foolish for us to think that they were just a quarterback away. Yes, was quarterback their biggest problem last year? Absolutely. Does Aaron Rodgers make them a better football team? No question about it. They're going to be more in the mix, and they're going to be in a playoff race. They're going to be in an AFC championship race, at least if, all thing, if everything goes according to the plan, more so than they've ever been. But that doesn't mean the defense didn't didn't show signs of wearing down at the end of last season. The tight end group was a group that didn't really impress. The offensive line, the injury, showed the lack of depth at that position. 
And so there are question marks that this team had. I think with their first overall pick, they didn't get a starter. They got a rotational player because of the way that they run their team. They got a starting center with, with pick number two. Okay, that's great. Carter Warren, injury risk. Injury profile is not very good. I think a depth piece at best. Israel Abandacanda is the pick that I need somebody to explain to me. Israel Abandacanda is a great player. But you brought in a guy, you drafted a guy here after already having on your roster Brees Hall, who you traded up to get a year ago, Michael Carter, who you just invested draft capital in two years ago, and Zonovan Knight, who was an undrafted free agent recently and was a huge success for you. By the way, was better than Michael Carter when Brees Hall went down. So we had that running back room going into 2023. And yeah, you might not have Brees for the first half of the season. So you drafted Israel Abandacanda. What happens when Brees Hall's healthy? Where does Izzy fit in? You had other needs. You had pieces on the roster. That pick doesn't make sense to me. The three picks in the back half of day three, those are all flyers. I'm not going to criticize those too much. I like the Zach Koontz pick. I think the athletic profile is really good there. You're betting on him being an athletic freak at the position and that transitioning and him progressing into being a tight end for you. But again, C.G. Ozoma, Tyler Conklin, and you spent a top 100 pick on Jeremy Rucker a year ago. Does Zach Koontz really factor into the 2023 plans? Again, I think there are some things here that we can like, and I think they got one starter. But when we're looking at a team that's kind of operating in a one, maybe two-year window, I don't know how much they got better in that regard. And that, I'm sorry, I'm grading it on that curve because that's the curve we're in right now. I'm not making up that the Jets are in a win-now window. I'm not making up that there's a short runway before they're going to be back in this cycle. And Glenn, I, I thought about it this morning. And sorry, this is the first time I've really been able to be expansive about my thoughts on the Jets draft Go, class. Keep going. But to me, the New York Jets could, could potentially walk into the offseason of 2024 without a quarterback, without a left tackle, without a right tackle, and without a first-round draft pick. That is an actual potential scenario for the New York Jets in 2024. Are you going to feel good about the team then? No. And so to me, there were there were some misses here uh, and some things that I had questions about. Again, I like the players. I think Will McDonald's going to fit into this team, and he's going to have a role, but it's not going to be an every-down starter. Joe Tippman, I like the pick. I think it's the best one of the class. Carter Warren, Israel Abandacanda. I don't hate them as players, but again, the vision to me doesn't make sense. It it was a long-term vision when we're in a short-term window, and just someone's got to explain it to me because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I got, it's funny you worded it that way because that was the the headline I attempted to write for the story I did with Jet Nation, and just it was way too wordy. It was one of those things I published it and thought, that's a terrible headline. <laughs> and one of the first comments was, that's the worst headline ever. Um, but it was something along those lines. Jets take long-term view with short-term, you know, uh, team or whatever, something along those lines, because that that is what they did. And I, I, I mean, this it's a unique situation. This team, I don't know how anyone could, with a straight face, say this is not a one or two year window, and and then at the same time say, well, you're supposed to you're supposed to draft for the future. Yet usually you are, but when you've and you know, do we? How many times do we need to say that they haven't won anything in fifty years? Right? Like it's been fifty years. It's been the longest playoff drought. I get that, and I hear people say that, Chris. I hear people say, you know, oh, with Rodgers, we're a playoff contender. This isn't about being a playoff contender. You didn't just go get Aaron Rodgers so you can make the playoffs. You you could have gotten Derek Carr. You could have gotten Ryan Tannehill. There's a bunch of guys who can get you to the playoffs. You gave up premium picks, premium capital, cash to get a guy because you're trying to win a Super Bowl. And I agree. Now, I think now Carter Warren, there are those who say, like I said, love him as a pass blocker. There are those who say that he would have been a top 60s, you know, top 50 pick had he not been injured last year. I think he could be a guy that starts next season when Dwayne Brown leaves. But there is no question marks. And as you said, still holes on this roster. And there, there is the chance that within, if not next year, I would imagine, I would say 90% sure by the following season, Aaron Rodgers goes and you don't have a quarterback. 
and you you just you've wasted that very small window that you created for yourself by going out and getting Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, let me make something unequivocally clear. Uh, I will be rooting for Aaron Rodgers in the New York Jets every week uh, for 17 weeks and hopefully beyond. The Jets just making the playoffs is not an acceptable goal for this team. I'm sorry, it can't be. You can't do everything that this team did and take as long as you did and gave up the capital that you did to get Aaron Rodgers to just be one and done in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll be happy that they broke the the the, the, the drought and they broke the streak of not being able to make the playoffs. But then we'll be sitting around going, well, okay, how do we get back there? And there are going to be a lot of questions of who's going to be the guy leading that charge. So unequivocally, I just want to make it clear that just making the playoffs is not an acceptable goal for this team. And that's not a goal I put on this team. That's a goal they put on the team with their actions and who they went out and got. And Aaron is not shying away from it. Aaron is talking nope. about Super Bowl three. that trophy's getting lonely. He said mm-hmm. that I didn't. He's talking about, I understand, Jets fans. I know how long it's been. Come on, enjoy the ride. Hop on board. Okay, Aaron, you said it. I didn't. That's the way that they're going to get graded. And again, I'll give you an example of another team, and they're in a different Maybe you you can say they're in a different life cycle, but again, the Jets are considering themselves Super Bowl contenders, so they're viewed in the same light as the team I'm about to talk about. I'd ask everybody to go look at the Philadelphia Eagles draft class. That's a team that drafted for the short term and for the long term. Their first two picks in Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith addressed teams that uh, needs that they had right now with the mass exodus that they had on their D line in this offseason. And then long term, they're worried about corner. Well, they they got Keely Ringo in the fourth round. They need long-term safety help. Well, they got Sidney Brown. At some point, they're going to have to rework their offensive line. That's what Tyler Steen's pick was on day three. Again, they blended the short-term with the long-term and gave themselves a chance to have some immediate impact players that can help them right now. I think Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith are both going to be immediate players for them. And again, let me just throw this out to you, Glenn. And we haven't had a lengthy conversation about this, but the Jets just took a first-round pass rusher last year in Jermaine Johnson, and I love J.J. I think he's going to be a long-term fit here. But he wasn't super impactful. He didn't play a ton because he's part of the rotation. So how can I not put the same similar expectations that were on Jermaine Johnson onto Will McDonald? He's going to be in the same role. He's going to be in a very similar role. So it's just hard for me. I can't get there. And again, I'm not trying to be I, – I don't like being this guy. I don't like being the contrarian. I don't like being the negative Nancy. I want to be bought in, and I am bought into this team. But I also feel it's important to look at this from a big macro picture because if the Jets don't win the Super Bowl or don't play in the Super Bowl in 2023, there are really important questions that need to be answered and, and asked. And I don't know if the Jets did that with this draft, and I don't think they're going to be able to do it with the next draft. Because we talk about them not having a lot of picks. They don't have a first next year. I know. And, and, you know, I, I think the hope is that there will be, you know, and, and there will, there will be some comp picks next year and all that's fine. But, but that premium pick is gone. And it, it does make me wonder, I, I always, you know, teams never really acknowledge this publicly. And I guess really they shouldn't. Cause you know, we saw what happened with Eric Mangini. He was guaranteed his job and then he was fired. Um, but Joe Douglas almost drafted like a guy who, who felt like he's got time. And like, that's, no matter, that's like, no matter what happens this year, Mind um, but this is what I mean. Unless Woody, unless Woody loves the class he had so much that he says, "You do what you want," and and no matter what, you're coming back. Which again, he could always go back on. He told Mangini he was coming back, and then he turned around and fired him after the team collapsed. But it, like I said, that that's the feel it had to me. I thought, and, and like I said, I I don't dislike the players. I can't say that enough times. 
I just, I feel like that's how Joe Douglas drafted. Like, I don't, if I don't win this year, that's fine. I'll be here next year. Um, and we'll see, we'll see how that pans out. Um, you know, as far as the Izzy pick, you know, I, this is what I was going to ask because you said the Izzy pick didn't make sense to you. I, it made sense to me because I like Izzy. We saw how much the, the offense, you know, how much less impactful they were or how much less successful they were once they lost Brees. Now you have two home run hitters in that backfield. What were your thoughts on the rumor that came from a few different places that said Jameer Gibbs would have been the guy at 15? Now, right. Izzy isn't Jameer Gibbs, but I said the night, I said after day one, I said if the Jets really were targeting Jameer, then Izzy is the guy to keep an eye on because he's probably the closest thing in this class to Jameer in being able to break a 70 yarder just like that and, and take it to the house. So the question that I would ask is if Jameer was their guy, why didn't they just go up and get him? Why didn't they just move up? And that, that, that to me is the biggest question. Do they not want to take them? And again, there weren't a lot of great landing spots for them to trade up to because. And their lack of capital. They had five picks right. at that Detroit point, right? took yeah. him at Detroit took him at 12. So where were you going to end up? You know, where were you going to get to, to be able to, to, to pick him? Right. But to me, like I, the Jameer pick wouldn't have made sense. Again, you got Brees Hall a year ago. Brees Hall, if he didn't get hurt, is an offensive rookie of the year candidate. He was going to be battling his teammate for the, for the trophy. They might've had to cut it in half and share it. That's how good they both were. And so now, less than six months later, we got to get another piece. Like, again, I asked the question to anybody that's listening to this right now. If Izzy Abandacanda is going to be the featured back of this offense for the first six, eight, however many weeks Brees Hall is out for. When Brees comes back, Izzy gets relegated to a backup role. So we're investing one some of the limited draft capital we have on a guy to be a short-term solution. And then people might say, well, Chris, they've got to. They've got to make, they got to be really successful in 2023. Well, wait a minute. You just said that you don't go all in on drafts. You don't, you don't look at draft classes from the idea of going all in for one season. Well, guess what? That's what the Izzy Abandacana pick is. In no uncertain terms, it's a we need a stopgap to be able to get us through this breeze time. And well, I would, I, I would, my, my counter to that would be to look at the, uh, that, you know, the 49ers team that made the Super Bowl a few years ago, they had like three backs. They were all very similar. Now, granted, those guys were sort of, they got those guys in the seventh round. They got them off the free agent scrap heap, but they were this style of back and they had three of them that just got equal carries. They just said, we're not going to wear anyone down. We're going to keep everyone kind of like the D line theory, right? Like we're going to keep everybody fresh. We're going to get these big plays. So I, I kind of see where they're coming from, but at the same time, you could make your argument that there are more pressing needs. With linebacker Hall, safety. With, with, what do you think? Okay, this is something that's come up on a few different pods that I've done. Quin, Quincy Williams. Is, is they, lo- team, they must love him. They must is, love him. Th- this is what I was going to say. They clearly love him. Do they love him a little too much? They, I, I mean, think they do. They I clearly think he is uh, the, the he is the easiest solution for them at running back. Because again, I know CJ Mosley was a Pro Bowler last year. I get it. CJ, go go watch the tape. Go. He was not a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker last year. He just wasn't. Quincy is very, in my opinion, boomer bust. There yes. are games where he is absolutely their best defensive player from a linebacker perspective, right? He is all over the place. He's flying around. He's making plays. He brings that energy. You can always tell when it's a Quincy Williams tackle because he does the bat swing. Like, you just know. Then there are other times where it's bust, and he's not making those plays, and he's a liability, and it's not going very well. And again, for a team that is in a win-now window, I can't have part of my front seven being that boomer bust. And so I have a lot of questions about this group. Now, maybe they bring back Quan. Um, and that might help a little bit. Um, I know they might be interested in doing that. Um, you know, he was a very good player last year, but yeah, I still feel the same way about this linebacker group that I did at the end of the season. It needs help. 
And they just didn't get it, in my opinion. And that, to me, is the biggest, the biggest glaring thing that they did not address in the draft. So once the draft wrapped up, of course, it was time for the UDFAs. Um, are there any that jump out? I'll run through the names here. I actually, um, this is a list that was was complete when I did it and uh, <laughs> found two more names after I wrote the article. So I'm going to I'm going to edit it and add them later. But uh, we've got Deslin Alexander, the D lineman from Pitt. We've got Jason Brownlee, the receiver from Southern Miss. Trey Dean, the safety from Florida. Caleb Johnson, inside linebacker, who was a uh, UCLA transfer to uh, Miami. And then you've got Malik Hall out of Southeastern Oklahoma State. Claude Cherilis, another a lot of linebackers in this class. Uh, linebacker out of Alcorn State, uh, Travis Dye, the running back out of USC, who played in or he was at a monster year at Oregon the year before. Um, Khalif Halassi, uh, DB out of Western Kentucky, uh, TJ Luther, another receiver slash return man from Gardner Webb, Xavier Gibson. I uh, was able to find some of his games online. Explosive, quick guy, quick feet. Look, you know, typical slot guy out of Stephen F. Austin. And who else we got here? EJ Jenkins. I had some clips on him, some highlights on him when I watched uh, Georgia Tech Clemson. He made some really good plays. Uh, same with uh, when he played Florida State. And Brent Lang, offensive lineman out of Duluth. Any thoughts on those guys? Uh, my main takeaway is look at the positions that they targeted in undrafted free agency. They attacked linebacker. Yep. They got a safety. They got a couple wide receivers. All things that we were all sitting around discussing as, hey, Maybe these are positions that you should address with the picks on the first three days of the draft. And that's the interesting part to me. Again, like I'm not picking on Travis Dye, right? Travis Dye was a productive player at Oregon. But yeah. you had Travis Dye, and now the, the Jets have five guys in their running back room. And it's like uh, two of those guys aren't going to make it. They just I could, I could, I could see him. And, and I, I love Bam Knight. Bam Knight was a guy that I actually tweeted out pre-draft that maybe the Jets should look at him in the seventh round um, last year. But he, one of them, someone's going to be an odd man out. Dies a little bit older, but he, like I said, he can do everything well. He can pick up the blitz, um, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Obviously, runs the ball well. Over fourteen hundred, over twelve or fourteen hundred yards. I forget at Oregon a couple of years ago. Missed some time last year, but still almost hit nine hundred. So Travis Dye can play. But you're right, that gives him another back in that room. Um, who ends up being the camp body and who ends up sticking on the fifty-three? We'll have to wait. But what? It, I mean, listen. Obviously, the dream scenario is that the Jets look at some of these guys and think one of these guys can play. We think one of these backers out of a school that nobody was looking at is going to make a rock. Who was it? It was the kid out of um, South. Let me see. He was one of the few guys I haven't been able to find any, any film on, but his physics, his attributes were sort of off the charts. Malik Hall. Uh, where is it? Uh, reportedly from, from the, the few, the little bit of info I was able to find uh, supposedly ran a four, four, two, with a 38 and a half inch vert at his pro day. Now, are those numbers accurate? I don't know. But if, I mean, obviously Joe Douglas was going for, you know, one of his athletic freaks in this class. But if one of these guys can play like Gibson, I look at Xavier Gibson. He's a guy that might be able to play, especially now that the Jets actually have some decent receivers and a slot guy might, might have a little bit of breathing room to work with. So maybe one or two of these guys can play, but there's some gambles here. A hundred percent. That's what UDFAs are, right? I'm not going to judge them based on that, but right, like, I, right. I was sitting here thinking about this while you were talking. The the best, this is going to be a hot take. And so I'm prepared for the, the pushback that this is going to get. The three best running backs currently in the Jets running back room are Brees Hall, Izzy Abandacana, and Zonovan Knight. That's the room. 
That's what the room should be. Right. Zonovan Knight gives you something different than the other guys do. Brees Hall and, and Izzy Abandikander are more your, your home run hitters. Michael Carter wasn't very good in the second half of last year when he was given the opportunity to be the starter. Like, it was rough. He took a step back from his rookie season. And so, to me, Zonovan Knight played well in the second half. You bring in Izzy Abandikander with a fifth-round pick. Like, to me, Michael Carter feels like the odd guy out. Um we talk about all the depth that they got at linebacker in terms of the UDFAs. They need somebody to step up, whether it's um, Hampson Asler-Dean, who's a safety that they converted to linebacker. Um, I think they did the same thing with Jamie Sherwood. He's a safety convert to linebacker. They yeah, love yeah. they love players like that. And I think I actually think Zaire Barnes is a safety linebacker convert. Like they love having players like that um, yep. to, to play the linebacker role. But they, they are sorely looking for somebody in that regard. Um, I think Jarek. Um, uh, Bernard Converse is a guy that might be able to play more safety at the next level. Right. Um, and I, and I think that's Oklahoma state. I think that's where they'll fit him in um, from a safety depth perspective. And so they kind of with their day three picks addressed it, but man, this, this goes back to what we said at the beginning, they really needed to trade out of 15. And the moment they didn't, it put them in the blender of what to do. And it led to a draft class that again, I don't think the players themselves are bad, but I'm just underwhelmed on what they addressed and how they, they made the 2023 version of their team better. Could the 2024 version of the New York jets be good? Absolutely. I mean, they've added some players here who I think can be really helpful, but for 2023, I think they added one starter and that's about it. And that, that feels underwhelming to me. Yeah, and Charles in the chat says they should have traded back. I think everyone agrees with that. Yeah, but you uh, need or, a dance most, partner, most, and they couldn't well, find one. So I was going to say most people agree with that, but they supposedly worked the phones, couldn't find a deal. And that's what happens sometimes if a team knows you're desperate. You know, they're, they're not going to give you equal value and hope that you're willing to get fleeced. Uh, Joe D wasn't. Uh, Trey Dean, the safety. Uh, Frank says he thinks he's a really good UDFA. Look, he's one of the better-known guys. He's a big school guy. I Like I said, I liked him last year when he was coming out. Sealed the uh, Senior Bowl win with uh, with got the game-ending interception. I think his 40 hurt him. I, I knew he was going to run a great 40, but I think he ran like a 4.75, if I'm not mistaken. Um, obviously not, you know, that wasn't going to help his draft stock a great deal. And as I said, listen, that, that's what makes UDFAs fun. That's why it's fun watching a billion hours of college football so that when the UDFAs start getting signed, you're familiar with most of them. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, some of these guys, you know, the Division Two II and Three, and, you know, there, a couple of these guys I've, I've had to look up and, and see what I can dig up online on them. Um, but, again, the, the approach was questionable. The talent wasn't bad. I do, like I said, I do think Warren will be a starter at tackle one day. And, and as I said, I was, I was, um, the other day, I was like, you know, uh, McGovern's a veteran. He's going to beat out the rookie. Cause McGo- listen, a lot of times when you bring in a rookie to compete with a veteran, normally the veteran is not very good at all. Um, McGovern isn't great, but he's a solid guy. He's like a middle of the road center. But I just, Tipman, like I said, he was my top guy because of, I think he can bring so much to a run game. Like the way he can get out, especially this run game, the way he hits his targets on the move. I think makes him a weapon really on the O line. And I think if he doesn't win the job outright out of camp, he will have it in short order. So that pick I have less of an issue with, but a lot of the guys who just aren't going to see the field, it's a little bit confusing, but again, they, I mean, they bring in a lot of UDFAs. There were two more. I forgot. I've, I've dug their name names up not long before we went on the air. So I'm going to uh, do, do some digging on them, but they got some talented guys. It was a questionable approach, but, um, one one other thing I wanted to cover before we go today, the uh, the de- the declining of the fifth year option on Makai Becton. Um, I think most of us saw that coming. I you know I, I said if if the team, I, I would have been fine either way. Had had they got had the docs come back with the medicals and said everything is healed up and looking fine, and he's dropped 50, 60 pounds, and by exercising that fifth year, you're not paying him 
you know, five, six million dollars more a year from now, I would have been able to live with it. I'm not saying they would have done it, but I would have been able to live with it. But they made they they decided not to not to exercise the option. So now he's got that incentive to go out, have a big year and get himself a deal or at least, you know, in his eyes, get a franchise tag and get a, a huge payday. Yeah, to me, this again, not surprised at the decision. Um, and I don't think I necessarily disagree with it. To me, this means that this will be the last year of Mekhi Becton wearing a New York Jets helmet. Uh, I don't see a scenario where they decline the fifth-year option, and if Mekhi is healthy and he plays the entire season, the Jets are going to be like, you know what, let's do this all again. Let's give you a multi-year contract extension and hope that we can continue to roll the dice and that you can continue to be healthy. I don't, don't think, think they, they tag do him? it. You don't think they tag him? They might. That, that's probably the only way. Um, I don't think they work out a long-term deal I think, I think he'd have to give them two good years before they consider a long-term deal. And that's right. where and you, you get this year and then you tag him next year. And if he plays well again, then you talk long term. And that's and that's why earlier I said that the Jets might go into an offseason without a starting left and right tackle because Dwayne Brown's 38, going to be 39. Makai um, Becton might not be back because, I mean, Glenn, here's a scenario. Go with me here on a journey. What if Makai Becton doesn't play all 17 games next season? Are you bringing him back? Are you franchise tagging him at that point? No, you're not doing that. Absolutely not. So now you now you're asking either Max Mitchell or Carter Warren to be your starting right tackle. You may have a hole at left tackle. And again, I'm just going to continue to remind everybody until everybody remembers you don't have a first round pick to go out and get a left tackle. And so that's the weird part to me is that they could go into they could go into next offseason, potentially with Rogers back and a year two of Rogers needing both sides, both tackle spots filled. That's a scary place to be for a team. So uh, I think the offensive line is going to be the most important thing to keep an eye on all year. And I, I think for not only 2023, but for 2024, the hope needs Makai needs to be the player that was taken very high in the first round a couple of years ago, because that is that I think the big key to all of this working in 2023. Yeah. And I, so, I, sorry, I missed this earlier. Dylan didn't realize how uh, Dylan was around. We could have had him with us. He's uh he's saying anything to jets are betting on older guys who played well in 21 to be impact guys in 24. We're going to see, man, we're going to see if, if any of these moves backfire. You know, Joe Douglas did go a little bit older in this class. A lot of these picks, even the UDFAs, um, you know, some of these guys played five, six years of college football. So they're uh, the Jets aren't shying away from guys who are a little bit long in the tooth walking through the door. They got five tight ends on their roster. Five. Yeah, well, at the same time, this is the time of year where it's a 90-man roster and you're going to have 17 offensive linemen. Sure, and- but, like, they used their last pick on Zach Koontz, and I don't think he's going to be able to – break through the the top three and like you used to pick on them yeah i mean they would they would they would they would have to carry four but that that raises the question do you carry four and use ruckert as a fullback or do you not like ruckert as much as people think you do like you You use the top 100 pick on jeremy ruckert i I know i know and and how can you not like what have you seen because he hasn't played a ton so what have you seen in practice that would make you change that quickly that feels like a quick pivot like that feels very weird to me and so like i i think it's going to be the same group and they're going to i think they're going to hope to put zach Koontz on like the practice squad and hope that the athletic profile can can build out and yeah he can he, he could be the guy down the road i think the practice squad or you know something that i i, I mentioned from time to time because people talk about roster spots every single year i mean like literally every year the Jets, and I'm sure most teams, tend to have one or two guys who aren't on the practice squad, but they're never active. They just keep them on the roster so they can't get put. Last year it was Tony Adams, who got a couple reps late in the year, but he probably was on the on the on the roster but inactive for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I can't, he may, I can't remember. I don't think he did any time on the practice squad. But either way, guys do that. So maybe you have one or two guys. Maybe Koontz is that guy who you're like, we love this kid. Because I think after this year, one, if not both of the, the current starting tight ends are gone. I would I agree think, with that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think they, they could be looking at this and saying – Next year, it's going to be Ruckert and Koontz. Right, but again, you know, but again, that's I know another, I, that's another pick that falls into the we got to hope we're about. here in twenty twenty four, right? And I so know. that's why I can't I can't come around on this class being something that like I'm going to give rave reviews to, right? Because you're doing it, I think, with the wrong philosophy. Because if this was your philosophy, then Derek Carr should be your starting quarterback this season. Jimmy and, Garoppolo and should be your starting quarterback this season. For that longer window. But you decided that you wanted to push all in on what's potentially just one year. And, and that's just weird to me. Yeah. And and like I said, even if it's two. Um, and I it's it's weird. Like I know I get that we're fans, and I know that you know you don't want to some people are just so determined to not say anything negative about the team that they sort of defend every action. And that's like I'm hearing people say, like, hey, this is how you're supposed to draft. You draft the best player. Usually now, right now, you need to draft the best player that can contribute today, because in a couple of years, this window wraps up and you're starting over again. So, but also like the the way that I would push back in that regard quickly is like they could have drafted a linebacker with their day two pick, and I would have been like, yeah, great, you filled the need, and it's a player that can play right now. Great, like yeah. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be just short or long term. You can draft a player that fits a need right now while also thinking for something long-term. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, and, and let Frank here, let it play out. Yeah, I get that, Frank, but, you know, this is what we do. We talk about the Jets, and the draft just happened. And and, and I like I said, I like McDonald. I, I think McDonald is going to be a really good player. You look at the 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 athleticism, the explosion, the, the length, all that stuff, he's going to get to the quarterback. But, you know, that, that doesn't mean that it, it was – well, again, I – I don't mind that pick as much as some people do. That's the thing. Um, I get, like I said, like if it had been a Kalijah Canty, who I think would get more reps because they're a little bit thinner at at the DT spot than they are in the edges. With the you know, wait, you got Huff, you got Clemens, you got JJ, you got Lawson. You know, on the interior, maybe a guy like Kalijah Canty would have made more sense. They didn't go in that direction. Linebacker, you know, even like we're talking about Tipman, and you know. Say it every time, just so people don't say I'm hating on the guy. He was my number one center in this class. He's outside of a Banacana because I love a Banacana's explosiveness. He's my favorite pick in this class. But would they would they maybe have been better off to say we're going to start Connor McGovern this year and we're going to use that pick on a linebacker who's going to start for us, who's going to start over you know Quincy Williams? Which again, I I think they they kind of view that guy as as a mate. Like they they think he's great and they probably weren't going to take anybody that would take Quincy Williams job. Yeah. I, l- listen, like, and I, I see Frank at the comments also saying, so who should they have gotten? That's, that's not really the argument that we're making here. Right. Because I, I the Will McDonald pick doesn't bother me from the player perspective. It bothers right. me from the philosophy perspective, which is the, which is Will Mc- about the whole class. Will yeah. McDonald might be a good player. He's certainly not going to get the number of snaps that are is going to allow us to answer that in 2023 because of who the Jets are philosophically. So I think it's incredibly easy for us to sit up here and say, we're not going to have an answer on what Will McDonald is by the end of 2023 because no. I'll ask Frank in the chat this question. Do we know what Jermaine Johnson is? Do we know? Do we Can we with 100% certainty say whether or not Jermaine Johnson is a long-term fit for this team. We can't because of the rotation that the Jets use. And so for me, that's the part that really bothers me about it is it's a pick at a position that you 
rotate in. And so I'm not going to be able to get a good gauge. And to answer the question of who they should have gotten, they could have drafted Anton Harrison, who was a first round player and play tackle. They could have drafted Matthew Bergeron, who's a guy that people think might need to play inside, but has played outside in his play tackle. They could have done that. Um, and so that to me is kind of the, the pushback that I would have. There were players at positions of need that they could have taken in the first round because a lot of people think Will McDonald was a reach. A lot of people think that that's how that went. You know, Will McDonald was, was a reach for them. Um, wouldn't have been as big of a reach as Matthew Bergeron or uh, Anton Harrison would have been. I, neither right. of those picks wouldn't have been as big of reaches, and it would have been at a position of need. So, um, and I, I would say who who would have had a bigger impact this year with McDonald or Jackson Smith and Jigba? I would I would say JSN. Right. He's he's going to play even if he's a slot guy. He's going to the way the game is today. He's going to play 50, 60 percent of the snaps. He's going to be a, a monster on third down. So I think you're getting you're, you would have gotten a bigger impact from him. And listen, you know, all all of it's neither here nor there. They got who sure. they got. I get yeah. all that. But um, I, it's it's always fun to, to, you know, sit down and break down the draft class. And it's there. Like I said, there are some folks who can't stay like they take any negative. Word, oh, you're not a real fan. Go root for the Giants. Why do you pretend to be a Jets fan? Like. Listen, like philosophically, whatever, on whatever grounds, like this is why we watch sports because they're fun to watch. And then we talk about them and it's OK to not think what the other guy thinks. Yeah, I listen. Uh, and Frank, by the way, I agree. I agree yes. wholeheartedly with the idea of draft good players. Agree. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but the New York Jets are in a very unique situation for just this season that I think requires a different evaluation. Um, and so I hope that all of these players end up being able to be impact players for the Jets, not only in 2023, but beyond, right? And I, I, I'm hopeful of that. But if I'm going to sit here and evaluate this, I can say um, I can say that I'm just, I was underwhelmed by the direction that they went in. Doesn't mean that the players are not going to be good. Doesn't mean that I'm going to be right. Doesn't mean the Jets are going to be right. Doesn't mean anybody's going to be right. We're going to have to let it play out. You guys hear me say this all the time. Got to let it play out. But I let the entire draft play out, and I felt that there were needs that, that didn't get addressed. Uh, no, no amount of picks was going to be able to change that, right? I still think they should have come out of there with a, with a better starting linebacker. Should have come out of this with a better starting safety, um, and they didn't, and that's okay. We'll, we will let this season play out. Um, but again, I don't think we're going to be able to look at this draft class until 2024 or 2025, and that's a little weird because I think the Jets needed some help for 2023 that they just didn't get. They didn't get it in free agency. They didn't get it in the draft. They didn't get it via trade. They just didn't get it. This was just another opportunity for them to get it, and they didn't. And so when looking at the 2023 Jets, linebacker still a concern for me, safety still a concern uh, for me, and the offensive line is still a concern for me. It just is. Yeah, I think that was a, the way I put it to someone I was talking to the other day. Um, I just said, I think the Jets might just think they're better than we think they are. Um, and again, I don't mean that in a, you know, in an anti-Jet way. But I mean it in a, you know, and it looks to me like they need more than they thought they needed, but sure. they did what they did. We'll see what happens next year um, or we'll see what happens this season. And um, of course, you know, come draft time next year, it'll be a little bit different with no first, but hopefully they won't need a tackle on the left. Hopefully it's pick 32. Hopefully yeah, it's exactly. pick 32. And then, exactly. then, and then, then everything and we just happy. did for the last 35 minutes, we're good. No worry about Every, it. Everybody's happy. And like I said, that's the, the, the important distinction is we don't dislike the players. We're a little confused by the approach, but that'll wrap it up. That'll wrap it up for this week for uh, Jet Nation Radio. Thanks again, Chris, for joining us. Check Chris out on TDN Daily, his uh, his daily pod for the Draft Network. And uh, go ahead, and Chris. What is it? It's at Chris Schubert, right, on Twitter? Yeah, at Chris Schubert underscore on Twitter. And then, yeah, the TDN Daily I do on the YouTube channel at the Draft Network. And then, obviously, wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, great. And uh, you can give me a follow on Twitter. I changed it, so I have to read it now. It's uh, at JNRadio underscore Glenn with two N's. So, wow, uh, look at you. That's that's a nice – I like that upgrade. That's well, I, I didn't uh, – I'm not very techie, and I tried to change my screen name uh, probably one time about four years ago. And since it took me more than 30 seconds, I thought, well, this must be impossible. And I stopped trying. <laughs> and then uh, and some, I mentioned that to someone the other day, and they're like, why don't you just change it? And I said, oh, no, you can't. I tried. And they're like, dude, you totally can. I do it all the time. So, yeah. So, yeah, there's the uh, the, the the Twitter handle upgrade, at, J- at JN Radio underscore Glenn. We will be back again next week to talk more Jets. We'll be uh, Friday night next week. This was a sort of let's wrap up the draft episode. And myself and Dylan Terman, Thursday night at 630. Check us out then. You can follow Dylan at D at D Terman. Uh, yeah, it's not underscore. Yeah, just at D Terman, T-E-R-E-M-A-N. That'll do it for us. Have a good one, Jets fans. And how in the world did 